we all showed up. How cool is that? You know, this love that, that God shows us is so, so amazing. And today, I hope that um, we showed up today to hear about the love of God, eh? It's so, so good, so good. So what I want to talk to you about today is um, one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, one, hands down favorite. Do you guys have a favorite book in the Bible? What is it? Just yell it at me real quick. Psalms. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Romans. That one's good, too. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Leviticus is a bit tough. I'm not going to lie. That's a tricky one to get through, but, but it is good. But the, the one that I love and the one that gets me so fired up is the book of Acts. Has anybody read the book of Acts? If you haven't read it, I want to encourage you to read it because it gets you just fired up. I mean, talk about this cool, like, you know, we talk about the royal wedding and how that's like all a buzz. Well, the book of Acts, my goodness, you want to get excited about something, read the book of Acts. It's where church, the New Testament church started. And there's these amazing stories in there and there's miracles and this love and joy and pain and community. The book of Acts is um, the church started community. You know, they, they shared their possessions. And you want to, I, I think Lindsay was talking this morning, and, and I love that she was talking about the Red Cross because what they do is amazing. And just as a side note, get amongst that. Because as an immigrant, not a refugee, I didn't come from the hardships of America, Trump wasn't in office yet. You know, I, I came here seven years ago. But I want to tell you something. When I came here seven years ago, people ask me all the time, what was the hardest thing about coming to New Zealand? Because it's beautiful, you know? It's absolutely stunning here. But when they ask me what the hardest thing about coming to New Zealand was, I always say, hands down, the language barrier. Every single time. Because you speak great English, but you do not speak American. And it was so hard for me to understand some of the things that were said. And then on top of that, man, Lindsay, you talked about some of the people not knowing where, where to shop and what to do. We need people to come alongside us, eh? We don't know what pack and save is. You know, we don't know where countdown is. We don't know what to buy. I didn't know what to buy in the grocery store. You have things here called capsicum. All I wanted was a, was a bell pepper. And I had to, had to find where a bell pepper was. And you call things like coriander something different. Like, there was all these things that I didn't know and had to, I needed a translator for, right? So, so get amongst what they're doing because I think that that's an excellent opportunity. I think you said, like, or maybe Keith said that the nations are coming to us. Hey, that's cool, isn't it? Some of us might not ever get a chance to go to Colombia. Maybe we don't want to. Maybe we, we won't go to Kazakhstan. You won't go to some of these places that I talk about today with the persecuted church, but they're coming here, and that is our call. That is the love that we need to show up for, is loving our neighbor. And whatever that looks like for us, all of us can contribute something to organizations like the Red Cross, whether it's your time, whether it's a smile and pack and save, whether, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, get amongst that today, because that is an excellent chance for you guys to do that kind of ministry. Now, going back to what I was going to talk about, the book of Acts. Book of Acts is awesome. Um, it starts out with this amazing um, commission in Acts 1-8 um, where Jesus is basically saying, you know, the, he's ta- the, the author is talking about how Jesus said the, to the disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come, up, come upon you and you will be my witnesses in all these different places. Cool that all those different places are coming to us, eh? And it starts out with, with talking about um, some of the, the amazing stories that happened. Peter and John are on their way um, into town and they meet this cripple guy. 
And, and he says, and he's saying, please help me. And Peter and John look at him and go, we don't have anything to give you. How many of us have said that to somebody who's homeless? Sorry, man, I don't have any change. Sorry, I don't have any money on me. Because we usually don't, eh? We usually have our credit cards. And until homeless people get a credit card swiper, you know, we're stuck, right? So what they said that day was, you know, we don't have that stuff. We don't have anything like that to give you. But what I can give you is Jesus Christ. And he's like, get up and walk. And the dude gets up and walks. I mean, do you see that? How many have seen somebody who was lame or crippled or blind be healed? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And the thing is, is that same power, that Holy Spirit goodness that was in the beginning of Acts, that same power is here and with us today. It's in this very room right now. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and dwells in you. You know? I mean, that's, that's incredible to think about that. And when we, when we let that Holy Spirit, when we allow him, because he, the Holy Spirit isn't pushy, when we allow him to just to move through us, amazing things can happen, and amazing things happened in this book. And this book has gotten me in trouble before. I was, um, I was in, this, in this class in Bible school in college, and the guy was talking about Acts, and he, and he framed it in a way of evangelism, and you know, the, the community element. And he's like, you know, go, what is God telling you to do today? Go out and, and do something, something bold for him. Do something audacious. Go out and love people audaciously today. And so I was like, all right, this is cool. So we go and we take some flowers and we deliver them to, to one of the, the cafes that we used to go to all the time where we'd get coffee. And we took these flowers to, this, um, to the cashier and, you know, we're like patting ourselves on the back. We're so good, yay, yay. And then I felt like God was just doing something. And we had gone to this food court to eat. Now, this food court that we had gone to was in the middle of a, of a mall, and it had like tons of people in there. And this particular day, it was Valentine's Day. And after we were kind of talking about what we had done and patting ourselves on the back for, for doing a, this cool act of kindness, which was amazing, but God wanted something more from me that day. And so here's where the book of Acts gets me in trouble, because I felt God say to me that day, get up, and tell these people that I love them. <laughs> it's like, you're kidding, right? God, you don't want me to actually stand up and do that. It's in the middle of a food court. Nobody's going to listen. This is ridiculous. And more and more I sat there. I couldn't even eat my food. And it was Mexican food, and it was so good, and I couldn't eat it. I was so sad about that. And, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this right now. And so I stand up on this like railing, and I stand up, oh, sorry. I stand up on this railing, and I look out, and everybody's eating, or they're paying for their food and talking, and I go, can I have your attention, please? Thinking nobody was going to listen, the whole place just stops. <laughs> everybody stops, and they start looking at me. They turn. I mean, cashiers who are taking money, they stop. Everything stopped. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What, what do I do? And so I stand up and, I, and I'm like, hey guys, look, I want to tell you about the greatest love story ever. And I started to talk about Valentine's Day and Jesus and what he did for us. And all of a sudden, I see these two cops coming <laughs> towards me. And I was, I was still talking and I see them getting closer and they're like, psh, psh, you know, talking on their things, like calling in reinforcements for this crazy girl in this, in this mall food court. 
And, and I said, and Jesus loves you and he wants you to know that too? Okay, thanks, bye. And I like, get off. And these two nice, kind, big, burly looking security guards escorted me very nicely outside of the mall and asked me not to come back again, you know? So this is where the book of Acts can get you in trouble, you know? And, and the thing is that, that God wants to do something like that in your lives. Do, do, you, do you know that? Like he really wants to make this book come alive to you today. And, and he will. There has been so many times that I've been minding my own business, sitting in a cafe, reading, and people come up and start a conversation. I was just in Queenstown, and I was in this cafe minding my own business, trying to eat my yummy soup. And that's funny, God kind of like interrupts me all the time when I'm eating. So I don't know what that is, but you know, and, and next thing you know, I'm having this conversation and I'm telling this girl about God and, and what Barnabas Fund does. You see, God will do these amazing things through you. Do you believe that? He actually wants to use you to do something that will change somebody's life. And it doesn't have to be standing up in the middle of the food court yelling like a lunatic, you know? It doesn't have to be that. It can be something as small as just being kind to somebody else. Or as small as giving some of your warm clothes to some of these refugees that are coming over. It doesn't have to be something amazing, but sometimes maybe it is going to be that. Sometimes maybe he is going to use you to get you out of your comfort zone and do something audacious for him. And I don't know how many people came to Christ that day, and maybe nobody, I don't know. But I know that God did something in me that day. He showed me that when I actually listen to him, when I'm, when I'm really, really wanting more of him, he, he's going to do something through me. And he's going to do something that, that changes the world around us. Now, Acts chapter 2 goes into this, this thing about, like I said, where the the, the guy stands up and he starts to walk, and Peter and John. And Peter, you remember Peter when Jesus was around? Peter was a bit sheepish, wasn't he? Or sometimes his mouth got him into trouble. But the last thing that we remember about Peter before Pentecost, before Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and the rest of the Bible, is that Peter had disowned Jesus Christ. On the day when Jesus needed him the most, Peter said, I don't know him. And that must have this shattered Peter into a billion pieces, but you know, the redemptive grace of Jesus is this, is that no matter what we've done and how we've messed up before, God is always, always, always this loving God who forgives us no matter what and then uses us despite of ourselves. And when Peter saw the opportunity, he got up and he started sharing because the Holy Spirit kind of happened in this room when they were praying and, and people were speaking in tongues you know, they were talking in these languages that the people didn't, they, they, they were just, they thought they were drunk. And Peter uses the opportunity and he stands up, he stood up, and, and he started to share about Jesus. And then he, he gets to chapter 3 and Peter heals the beggar. And then he again, again, he uses the opportunity. He stands up and he's like, look, this is what God has done through this guy. It wasn't us. It wasn't our amazing ability. It was the Holy Spirit. And he's, he uses that to get up and talk. Now, here's where, here's where things get a little dicey for Peter and John, because as they're talking, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. 
Now, I was scared in that food court that day when those two security guards started walking towards me. And Peter and John are standing there, and Peter is just, he's bringing it. You know, he's, he's telling about how awesome God is and what God can do and how he can heal. And then these, these people come, and they start to, to challenge him and confront him, you know? And Peter and John end up getting thrown into prison that day. But that didn't stop what the Holy Spirit was doing, did it? When they got thrown into prison, God used that, and people were added to the church. The Bible says people were added to the church daily, and then when that happened, more people came to know God. 3,000, and then it jumped to 5,000. You've got a planning meeting, Keith, where you're going to have to talk about what to do with this, this wonderful, magnificent church you have. What if your planning meeting was because you had 3,000 people coming to your church, and that's how you had to think? And that's the kind of stuff God does, eh? There's 54,000 people in in Bacargill. 3,000 would be a drop in the bucket coming to the church. God can do that stuff when we're willing and able to be used by him. He can cause that revival to happen. And, and the, what happened in that community, in that, in that time, was that, that God had really showed up and people started adding to the numbers daily, 3,000 up to 5,000, and then more and more and more people because they were so excited. They couldn't contain themselves. They couldn't stop talking about it. Just like me talking about the royal wedding. People were like, shut up already, what do you want about? It's just a wedding, it's no big deal. You know, and sometimes when we get excited, we just talk and talk and talk about that. And that's what happened then. People talked and talked and talked about it. And this thing that was going on in the, in the church that day, in that community where, where there was growth and there was this, this real bond between people, so much so that they started selling their possessions, you know? And, and that wasn't, it wasn't something that was necessarily planned. It wasn't, there wasn't this like manual about, about how to cause revival or how to ch cause church growth. There wasn't a, a website, people couldn't just Google it, you know? They couldn't Google it and be like, how do we start revival? And then all of a sudden all these pages come up, you know, like this. You can look on how to start revival, but that revival that happened, that, that thing that was going on, it was organic. It was because when Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you, he meant it, and he kept that promise. And that Holy Spirit just, he just like blew up. Fire. People were just excited. And, and the thing about, about all of that was that just, you know, they, they got so excited that God started to move in mighty ways. So Peter and John are in prison, right? And he, he's preaching, he's, he has this opportunity to talk to the, to, the, um, to the Sadducees. And what they talked about and what they were preaching back then was countercultural. It was against what society thought was normal. And even though it was the religious people who were coming and persecuting them, this is where persecution starts, doesn't it? And Acts, if you fast forward to Acts chapter 8, the, they were persecuted and so the church spread. When Peter and John were persecuted at this point, thrown into prison, they used it as an opportunity to share more about Jesus Christ. There's a guy I met in Sri Lanka a couple months ago when I was just visiting there for, for Barnabas Fund. And he's a pastor, and he was a converted Christian from, from Buddhism. Now, when you convert to another religion in a country where the, the dominant religion is, is either Islam or Buddhism or um, you know, Hinduism, something like that, it sometimes can mean a lot of trouble for you. And when he converted, he got so excited 
And then he started going door to door, like literally. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? He would go door to door and tell people about Jesus. And he would do this every, every, every day, and he would pray with people, and people were starting to, to give their life to Jesus. People were starting to convert. Now, what he was doing was countercultural. You know, it was against the norm. And as he would go door to door, one day he was, he was doing this, and he walked out, and this mob of about 15 Buddhist monks approached him. And a guy came up to him, a Buddhist monk came up to him, and just slapped him on the face as hard as he could. And this pastor is standing there, and the Buddhist monk says, if you keep doing this, if you keep telling people about this rubbish, then I will kill you. And, the, Buddha, and the, the Buddhist monk was, and he had a mob of people around him. Can you imagine how scary that would be, you know? He, he looked at him, this pastor looked at him, and he goes, you can kill me now, because I guarantee you that I will be back here tomorrow, and I will be telling people about Jesus Christ, because he loves them, and he wants them to know that they can have a relationship. And I just, I'm listening to his story, and I'm like, are you kidding I go, were you scared? I mean, didn't you think he was going to kill you? Like, he literally, he probably was going to kill you, right? And he's like, yeah, he absolutely was. But when I said that to him, that I would keep talking about Jesus, he, he looked at his hand, the hand that had slapped me in the face, and it started hurting. And God did something that day, and he protected him. And I keep, I'm talking to this guy, and I said, look, I want to, I want to tell your story to the churches back in, back in New Zealand. Um, what, what, do you, what do you want me to tell them? What do you want me to, to ask them to do for you? And I'm thinking he's going to say, you know, tell them to pray for us here in Sri Lanka. And I would be like, all right, yeah, absolutely we'll do that because we have an amazing church people that pray hard for people like you. But you know what he said to me? He started preaching to me. He said, tell the church in the New Zealand to not stop loving Jesus and to talk about him whenever they can. Because God wants to do amazing things through the church in New Zealand if they'll just speak up and not be afraid. What? Come on. I mean, the thing about the work that I do is that I meet these people and I think that they got there. I feel kind of bad for them in some ways. I feel bad for them and I feel like we should. Because that's our church body, right? We, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. But this guy in Sri Lanka, he's praying for us. He's praying for us too. It's that community thing. And what he wanted to say to us more than anything was to live out our faith loud, proud, and with gusto. And that just gave me, that just gave me goosebumps when he said that. Because... We forget sometimes what God can do through us. And these Christians who live in the context of persecution every day of their life, when they're being bullied every day of their life, when their villages are being burnt down by the governments, when the, the people, the drug lords in Colombia are coming after them, when their churches are being attacked. In Nigeria, there's a church attack every week in, in other churches, in other parts of Africa, these, these groups of people who hate Christianity are killing them, are, are kidnapping the women and children. That's the kind of stuff they deal with being a Christian. 
And for us, we don't have to worry about that. And that's not a bad thing. You know, when you look around New Zealand, it literally is like a National Geographic picture. Hey, I mean, you have the Starbucks, the southernmost Starbucks in the world here. That, that's, that's incredible. But we, we shouldn't feel ashamed or feel bad about where we live. But I will tell you this, that if we listen to what Acts says, if we read through the book of Acts, the community that happened in those, in those first few chapters, God wants to do that with us today, with us here right now. And I'm not talking about community just with the people in the pews next to you or just in Invercargill or even as far out as Gore, you know? He's talking about our community, this love showing up outside of here and into the world and into these places where Christians struggle and they suffer and they're persecuted. In the world today, there's over 215 million people who are under the context of persecution. 215 million, you know? And, and all of that started because of this bunch of people who went against the culture, who were not afraid to stand up for what they believed. In New Zealand, we are a free nation, aren't we? We have laws that protect our religion, that protect our faith. We can live here and not be afraid. In other countries, it's something that they have to deal with. But what this is saying to me, and what the persecuted church globally around the world is saying to me, what the guy in Sri Lanka, that pastor, who didn't care what happened to him because he knew that he needed to talk about Jesus, is saying to me, is that we cannot be afraid to be Christians. We cannot be afraid to, to, to live out our faith. You see, even though we're a, a, a nation that has religious protection and religious freedom, it's tricky for us as Christians because we can be Christians, people don't care if we're Christians, as long as we don't talk about being Christians, as long as we don't push our faith on people. And very quickly when things come up in the news or when things that are not, what are, doesn't look like what our Bible talks about happen, we're oftentimes shoved into, into a corner. We've got this amazing book, and I don't want to talk about it today. I want, I'm hoping that you pick this up. It's called Turning the Tide. And it's talking about how to protect our religious freedom here in New Zealand. And if you don't have this already, if you don't receive the Barnabas magazine, pick one of these up and have a read of it. Because we are experiencing all over the world, in the UK and places like Australia, freedom of speech, freedom of religion is being eroded away. And it hasn't necessarily happened here in New Zealand yet, but we have got to be proud of our faith and talk about our faith. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to have a read of this. And and get on board with what we're doing to help protect religious freedom here in the UK and Australia and other parts of the world. Now, Peter and John were, were countercultural. They flipped the script that day, didn't they? And the greatest thing that happened was after that, after they had, they had talked to the, to the Sadducees and the, and the priests, they, they basically gave them a warning. They're like, look, we, we can't do, we don't want to do anything to you today, but we guarantee that, that if you guys keep talking about this Jesus guy, and if you keep talking about this rubbish, about this whole like resurrection thing, then we will come after you again. Now I'm paraphrasing this. This is the Steph Johnston translation paraphrase, but read it for yourselves. And this is what they say. Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. 
just like that Sri Lankan pastor, eh? He wasn't going to stop. He didn't care. Now, I'm not saying we need to be super pushy with our faith. I'm not saying that at all. But just like when I'm sitting in cafes and people start to talk to me about Jesus and what I do, use those opportunities as much as you possibly can. One of the ladies who works in our office, she was saying that she worked in a, in a doctor's office for a while, and they knew she was a Christian, and she didn't talk about it heaps, but they knew she was a Christian. Two years go by, three years go by, not once has she had a chance to talk to, to, the, to these other coworkers about Jesus. And then one day, a coworker comes to her after three years of working there, day in, day out, and says, I need you to pray for me. You see, when we live our life out, when people know who we love, and when we're excited about Jesus and we love him and we, we value what he's done in our life, it's going to just shine through us. You know? It's going to shine through us. One thing that um, Charles Stanley says is this. Charles Stanley is a pastor. He's a pretty well-known pastor in the States. I'm not sure if you guys know who he is here, but he's really incredible and, I, and a man of God. And he, he has this quote that says, God is looking for imperfect men and women who have learned to walk in moment-by-moment moment dependence on the Holy Spirit, just like, just like Acts. Christians who have come to terms with their inadequacies, fears, and failures. Believers who have become discontent with surviving and have taken the time to investigate everything God has to offer in this life. Are you just surviving today? When I look at these Christians in other countries who day in and day out are living their faith and, and they love Jesus, they're a challenge and an encouragement to me to live out my faith as well. And they need us to pray for them. And, and we need them to pray for us as well because it's easy for us just to go through life surviving without really having this hunger to know God more or for God to do some things, or let the Holy Spirit just move in our lives the way he wants to. God is looking for imperfect men and women. Peter and, and John weren't anything spectacular. You know, even that when they had that opportunity to, to share about Jesus in front of the priests and the Sadducees, even the priests said to themselves, these guys aren't anything special. They're normal, everyday people. But what we do know is that they've been with Jesus. Can people say that about us? That we've been with Jesus? That they, they see likenesses? In Pakistan, we're working with um, people who are in bonded labor and slavery. And I'm going to end on this story. People in, in Pakistan, Christians specifically, are very low-class citizens. They're con considered the lowest of the low. They get these, these really horrible jobs, cleaning up rubbish and things like that off of the streets. And, that, that's the only jobs that they can get. They have no other opportunities, you know, because of their Christianity. And part of what they do is they work in these brick kilns. Now, the brick kilns are these big, massive things of fire, and what you have to do is put water into mud, and you make clay, and out of that clay, you make these bricks. Now, there's a family, a guy named Sadiq and his family, who've been in bonded slavery since he can remember. And they are in slavery because um, people take advantage of them. And they get, they get caught and they get trapped and they can't get out. Now, if any of you have ever experienced debt in your life, you know how suffocating it can be. When you're living day to day, when you can't make rent payments, you know how horrible and how, how, how that feels just 
like you're trapped and you're caught, and these people are actually in bonded slavery. When I was there about four years ago now, I remember going up to this brick kiln, and it was 51 degrees outside, and I was just melting, middle of the day, and there's this little girl out there, and she's making bricks for her family, because the, the slavery that they're in, it goes, it's generational. It's not just the parents who work, it's the kids who work as well, and they can't go to school. Now, with this program that we've started doing, we've started um, paying for people to get out of slavery, but it's not just paying for them to have their, all of their debts wiped away, it does that, but then what they do is they're able to then to help pay off somebody else's debt, and it's this whole like pay it forward system that's happening that's, that's been really cool seeing it, seeing it work. And what's going on with Sadiq and his family is that now Sadiq, who is free from slavery, and the story is in our Barnabas Aid magazine, which we've got heaps of these here as well, so pick one of these up as well and read the rest of his story. But now Sadiq is out of slavery, and he is he's considered now working in this, this skill that he has. So brick making doesn't become something that is, is holding him in slavery any longer. He's now considering this a skill. It's his job, and he's proud of his job, and he's proud of what he's doing. Barnabas has res rescued over 242 families through this program. And these are the stories that, that, we get to, that we get to share and to tell people. Now, God wants to use us. He wants to use people like Sadiq and his family to be, to be missionaries to those, those slave owners. Because when Sadiq was able to pay off his debt, what that did was showed an example to, his, to his, the people that had him in slavery that God was this amazing God who takes care of his people. And he was a witness to them. And now that, that slave owner, you know, that brick kiln owner, he is now helping to pay off some of the debts of some of the other people who are in slavery. You see, God works full circle. He uses us and the things that we go through in our lives to change other people's lives, and he wants to do that through us today as well. What these people, what these, these Christians need more than anything is our prayer. And what happened in, in verse, um, in chapter 4, is that when Peter and John got, got caught up and they got thrown in prison, the first thing that they did was they went back to the believers and they said, this is what has happened to us. And immediately they started to pray. And they prayed for God to protect them and they prayed for God to show up more and more and more. And after they finished praying, it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, then they preached the word of God with boldness. We've got to pray for our brothers and sisters. We've got to let them know that we love them and we care about them. And when we pray, God will move. God does something. The prayer of a righteous person is what? It's powerful and effective. And when we listen to what this book is saying and when we pray, for our brothers and sisters and pray for each other, that's when God moves, that's when the Holy Spirit shakes things up, eh? And he wants to do that today. People ask all the time, well, what can we do for Barnabas Fund? What can we do to help these Christians? And the biggest thing that you can do is pray, honestly. In our magazine, in the inside, we have this prayer booklet that walks you through how to pray for the persecuted church every day for two months. And then in two more months, another book comes out with stories like Sadiq's story, and another prayer magazine comes out, and, and you can pray for, again, every day for two months. Can you imagine if each and every one of us in here took the time and just prayed this short little paragraph every single day? 
pray this with your family, you know? Our lives will be shaken in a good way. They need us. Pastors in Sri Lanka need us. People in Nepal need us to pray for them, to care for them. And we, we need each other. Hey, we do. We need each other. I want to thank you for the opportunity that I've had to, to share today. I'm going to be talking a bit more tonight and sharing some more stories, and I want to encourage you to come back tonight if you don't have anything else going on and you can make it back because I've got so much more to tell you, but I can only do so much in, in, in a short time. So I want to share more and more about um, Barnabas Fund tonight. Um, but, man, pick up the book of Acts and have a read through that, and I guarantee that God will do something in your life. Thank you so much for your support and your prayers for the Barnabas Fund. Cheers. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And Thanks, you've got uh, table and resources yes. uh, over there. So, yes, I do. yeah, Thank Stephanie you. would love just you, um, to talk uh, to her team. You're going to come and just uh, as we sing this final song, um, yeah, maybe that can be uh, a song as a prayer as well. Uh, as we talk about the brokenhearted, um, we've heard some stories today. Maybe uh, you know some people that are broken and hurting, and you can use this as a prayer. And just as we uh, stand and sing it, the um, kids are going to be coming in as well. So, um, yeah, just make room for them as they come back uh, to us. Thanks. Let's stand together.